This is episode four of my punk ass podcast. positive movement I think of um, supporting or buying black Um, because people I guess they've had time to you know to sort of assess where we're at economically and how that we need to kind of get you know get our economics together and and I totally agree with that um, wholeheartedly think that um you know, what's been missing from the movement is funding the actual movement. I think that once we fund our movement or once we're able to fund our movement, it becomes stronger, um, more consistent, and we don't need as many people. Uh, I think a lot of times what we're doing lately is that we're asking people to do things for us in a space where they don't want to and there's no consequence for them not doing it. You know, so it's not, you know, it's, it's when have you ever had a nigga do something for you and there was no consequence for not doing it? Never, you know, but I think the support black businesses, I think it's 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 missing at least one part of it, uh, two parts, actually. But one main part that is missing is key. Um we don't all live in the same places so that when we support black businesses the idea because I think a lot of you saw the um the uh warning uh trigger warning Mike uh Killer Mike and I loved it I I saw it and he said you know the, the, the black doll only bounces six you know, only is in the community for six minutes or something like that, something ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, I agree. But if I'm supporting black businesses, for example, I stay in Detroit. I'm from Detroit. And uh, the northern border for Detroit is 8 Mile. I think a lot of y'all are familiar with that from the movie 8 Mile. If you stay on 23 Mile, you have a black business. 23 Mile is like Shelby Township. The burbs, essentially. If you stay out in the burbs and you have a black-owned business, the majority of your wealth and resources are going to Shelby Township by virtue of the fact that you live out there. Your mortgage is paid out there. You're paying taxes out there. 
um, grocery shopping out there for the most part. That's what you're doing. You know, most of your money, most of your wealth and resources are being spread there. Um, It doesn't make sense to support your black business as a means to support black people when your business doesn't bring back the money to the city. So I think the move that we need to make beforehand is to actually live in the same place. Because what we're doing ultimately is that we're putting ourselves in a space where, you know, we can support each other. You know, and I think that's cool. I don't think that that's bad. But I think that the the actual step that we're missing is living amongst each other. Because Detroit, for example, is 80% black, but it's not 80% black owned. So all the businesses and, and the houses and things of that nature, they're owned by people who mostly don't look like us. So if we're doing the buy black and support black and things of that nature, I think we also need to live by each other because the only way for it to work ultimately is if all of our wealth and resources are concentrated and not diluted by us living in these different suburbs where we're not the majority. Again, Detroit, for example, is 80% black. Imagine if 80% black ownership also happened be impossible to stop us but what we're missing is is that when we make it you know the proverbial i made it we move our ass out to 23 mile and when we're moving out to 23 mile we're taking all our wealth and resources out to the burbs now look i'm not telling people what to do with their money i can't you're gonna do with your money what you're gonna do with your money but I, what I would say is, is that if you really believe in the movement and you believe in black people, you have to live amongst the people. All the business owners that uh, I'm like walking distance from uh, uh, like a, a mile of black owned businesses is maybe like from, I want to say almost eight miles to probably um like six miles, so like two miles. Two miles worth of black-owned businesses. You know, it's hair salons, restaurants, things of that nature. Um, it would be so dope if those people stayed in Detroit because then your political interest is with Detroit because you vote for the mayor, city council, school boards, so on and so forth. Um, your economic interest is with Detroit, taxes, um, you know, even paying for gas. You know, and you're a black business owner, so you have leverage in the sense that you have equity in the city. You have things in the city that are operating and moving. It'd be so dope if all the business owners that have businesses in Detroit actually stayed in Detroit. But see, I know that not to be true. You know, I know that they stay out 23 Mile and they take all their wealth and resources to 23 Mile. You know, and I can't tell them what to do with their money, but it doesn't make sense I'm supporting their business as a black, you know, chess move. And then they're taking all their wealth and resources out to 23 Mile. Because we don't live out 23 Mile. We stay in Detroit. We stay in Atlanta. We stay in Cleveland. We stay in D.C. That's where we That's where we stay. You know, one of the big things that people have given me pushback on, because I've said it before, pushback is, well, it's violence. Violence. Violence is only two things. I've said this before. I'll say it again. It's two things. Violence comes from two things. It comes from poverty and proximity. That's all it is. You know, that's all it is is proximity and poverty. 
poverty, the least re- the less resources you have, the more crime you commit. They're right next to each other. Like they literally go up. As one go up, the other goes up. More poverty, more crime. And you commit crimes against people that you you live next to. What we've done, what we've effectively done is we've taken our wealth and resources and moved to the burbs. So instead of having another owner, another homeowner, you know, having another person who has wealth and resources, taking another person who has a business, you know, taking another person who doesn't commit crime and putting them in the city. What we decided is that we're going to move out the city and then have another person who doesn't necessarily have those same values, morals, principles, economic goals, things of that nature. And they're going to be in the city and then they get to be, you know, violent or commit crimes, things of that nature. We have to outlive these people. But the only way to do it is to be in the city so that when you make it, you don't leave. Because every time we make it, we leave. And I'm not talking about, you know, athletes who make it. If you're an athlete, you're a top 1% earner, man. Like, get out the city. You know, there's no, there's no real place for you, you know, because you're a 1% earner. But how many people are those? How many people really make it to, you know what I'm saying, to the league from Detroit? Not that many. Not considering how many people are in the city. You know, there are people who make it, you know, make it big and they become famous. But how many people are doing that? You know, not a lot. You know, we got we got a few rappers that are that are like big time, you know. And then the, then the rest are not really. You can stay in the city, you know. Staying in the city ensures that you have another person who is bringing contributions to the city and trying to uh, uh, run business, commerce, things of that nature in the city. That's the way that it's supposed to be done. Because again, all of your educational interests, all of your political interests, all of your social interests, all of your, you know, any interest that you have is going to be toward the city. But when you stay out, you know, in the burbs, your interests are out there because your daughter or son goes to that school. You know, your daughter or son goes to, you know what I'm saying, Shelby High School or goes to you know, some school out Roseville or something like that. And which is no problem if you believe, if you're under the mindset that it it gives your kid a better opportunity, then I can't tell you not to do that, but then everybody can't go. So if I'm telling you that the best thing for us to do is to live in the same place, and you're saying, well, no, forget that, I'm going to move myself out to Shelby Township because I want my family to be safe, then I would tell you that's fine, but then everybody can't go. And what I mean by everybody can't go is, is that that's fine that your business is black. That's fine that you're black. That's fine that you're even from Detroit, but everybody can't go because everybody ain't on the same page. And there are too many people who stay in Detroit that look like you for you to not be amongst people who look like you, you know? And the more of us stay here who are contributing to you know the, the 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 ecosystem that is Detroit, the more uh, uh, the the less crime you're gonna have, just the less crime you're gonna have, you know, because you have a lot more people who are not committing crime than people who are committing crime, you know. But when you have safe neighborhoods, and it's not to say you eradicate crime completely, because everybody has crime, you know. It's just how much crime is there, and this is a metropolis city. It's a big city, so it's a city built for probably. You know, they say like 
million people, two million people at one point in time. You know, it's only 800,000 people here, though. You know, it's 800,000 people here. And what they've already done with, you know, Dan Gilbert and the Illish family and the likes, what they've already done is they've purchased all, all of downtown and midtown Detroit. And, and what they do is they, they slick you. They make you believe that they're doing something for, for Detroit when ultimately they're doing something for their businesses and their bottom line. Because they're not from Detroit either. <laughs> Dan Gilbert's not from Detroit. The Illich family, not from Detroit. Um, you know, they just have their things. And for people who don't know Dan Gilbert, Dan Gilbert, owner of the, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers and Quicken Loans. Uh, he was a guy who famously wrote... Uh, the letter to LeBron saying that he's a traitor and, you know, he quit on his team. Um, the Illich family owns, uh, I think, the Red Wings and the Tigers and Little Caesars. Uh, they have a Little Caesars arena downtown that the Pistons play in. Um, and it, it's no knock to them. I mean, they're just doing what they could do for their family. They're setting up generational wealth. So it's no knock against them. But it's just to say, we can do that as well because they may own... You know what I'm saying? Uh, downtown and Midtown, they don't own Finkel. You know, they don't own Plymouth Road. They don't own the places where we're at. And it's still the city. It's just not downtown. You know, we lost on that one. And there are even people from out of town. Like, you know, I hear, um, you know, DJ Envy and, 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 and uh, Charlemagne and, and what's the uh, girl, uh, Angela Yee. I hear them talking about they own land here. You know, which is like, all right, man, like if, if, you know, y'all don't live here, though, you know, and we should be trying to as much as possible pool our resources together as a power play to own all the land and resources here, because that's what puts us in power. That's what makes the powers that be have to listen to us, you know, because if all our tax money is going toward these schools and going, well, if all our tax money is going toward Detroit, then you can come in here and say, hey, I don't like that. Mumford High School doesn't have this, this, and this. So we need to fix it. You know, we need to fix it. So that's one part of it. Uh, we need to stay in the same, sort of the same area. You know, um, another thing that we need to do, and it's, it's a big thing for me, and it, it could have been number one. But the second thing that I think that we're missing in this whole thing, this whole plan, is that most of us are in a lot of debt. You know, student loan debt, credit card debt, um, you know, car loan debt, you know, mortgages for some. Mortgages are different, though, but a lot of debt. Um, You cannot officially be an entrepreneur, in my opinion, can't officially be an entrepreneur or financially free if you are in debt. I have just officially and not just. It's been a while. Um, it's been you know, not a while, but like a, like maybe like a month. I'm completely debt free. I don't owe anybody. I have any money to give to any credit person or credit card. My student loans are paid off. I have no car loan. I don't have a mortgage. I don't have anything. You know what I'm saying I don't have a house that I own at the moment, but that's on the way. You know what I'm saying I wanted to get out of debt first before I started, you know, making up, uh, making my way to getting a house. You know, I rent at the moment. Um, But the debt thing is the one thing that I think that we can do individually that will allow us to have 
a lot more leverage. So that if ownership is what we, we want, man, owning our own houses in Detroit, owning the, the, the neighborhood, you know what I mean? Being able to control the market with regards to how much houses are, you know, how much neighborhoods are valued at, you know, uh, being able to ensure that we don't have blight, that we don't have uh, uh, just these uh, these vacant neighborhoods and things of that nature. Being able to, if a neighborhood is vacant, to do the things that we need to do, really what we need to utilize is banks. But I think that the problem is, is that it's hard to ask somebody for money when you owe them. So a lot of us are in, are in deep in debt, you know, but it's kind of hard to ask banks to, you know, contribute to your neighborhood when you already owe them 10000 20000 $30,000, you know. And what a lot of times we do is, is that we liken, we liken that to, um, like, we're doing it so that we can have a, a, a high credit score. And the high credit score thing, I mean, it's been proven fraudulent you know a million times over you know the idea of a high credit score like the real thing is like the higher your credit score the more debt you essentially have to have because they don't even let you have a high credit score without all four types of credit you know i mean i think we just need to get out of the mindset of credit is good like credit is is credit is just it's bad you know what i'm saying credit scores and all that stuff like it, it's just bad you know what i mean it's a game that's not like there's like it's a number at the end of the day but it's been how many categories it's five categories one category is how much debt you have uh another category is how long have you had the debt uh how often you know how you pay the debt how do you manage the debt um the types of debt that you have and then the likelihood that you will get more debt. These five categories have nothing to do with wealth. But we're fooled into thinking that if we have a high credit score, that it does something for us. And ultimately you want two things. Two things that we want. We want a car and we want a, uh, a house. For the car thing, look, it's a simple, simple solution to that. You buy the car that you can afford. Just because you can afford the payments don't mean you can afford the car. The car is $24,000 and you don't have $24,000. I don't care if they give you the car at $300 a month. You cannot afford that car. Get you a $5,000 car if that's what you can afford. And then, you know, keep money in your pocket. Because ultimately, you can find a good $5,000 car. I know this. I have one. It's very easy. Um, also, too, the house. Now, for the house thing, I think a lot of people think that you got to have a high credit score in order to be able to, um, in order to be able to have a house or get a mortgage. But what they don't know is, is that there's a thing called manual underwriting. So if you don't have a credit score, then you can do manual underwriting. What manual underwriting is, is that they give you the loan, but it's going to be based on your financial history. And uh, how long you've been at your job, what you make per year, how much of a down payment you have. And it's a little more extensive, but ultimately well worth it because you don't have to start from a place of debt, even though the mortgage is a loan and it is debt. You're starting from a place of, I don't have any debt and all I have to do is pay this loan. You know, all I have is this. 
All I have is a mortgage. And the reason that a mortgage is uh, is different, you know, than all other debts, you know, when, when used correctly is really because it's a house and houses go up in value forever. You know, like my mom's, the house that I grew up in, um, I think my mom said she bought it at $30,000. I'm sure by the time we moved out, it was worth more than that. Because you just can't get a house that's livable for $30,000. You know, it's just not possible. And it was probably $25,000. But still, you know, $25,000, like you can save up and buy that house. You know what I mean? Today, you couldn't get a house for $30,000. Not, you know, not like that. Not just, I got a house for twenty you know, for $30,000 or whatever. So houses go up in value forever. So that's why essentially you're, you're looking at the house or the mortgage is not necessarily a part of the debt thing. But what we want to do is we want to put ourselves in a position to be able to pay off the house as soon as possible. If you don't have any other bills, then you can just pay for the house and move on. And once you're able to have a paid for house, once you're able to have no debt, the owning your own business, the uh, 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 being financially free, any of those things, they're very much more attainable. But the first thing we got to do is we got to be where we are at and we got to be out of debt. Because th- see, the thing is, is that we utilize these banks in the wrong way. We want to walk in to, you know, Bank of America and say, I want a loan and get that loan. And we think that that's utilizing the bank. Not understanding that personal loans, seven to 10% on those. Uh, car loans, maybe like six, 7% on those. Uh, home loan, you know, 3%, something like that. You know, it's I think it's like two, two and three quarters right now, 275 or something like that now. But what you do when you don't owe the bank is you have leverage. It would be it would be a beautiful thing if at one point we could all walk into a bank, 10 black people in the bank that's just smack dab in the middle of Detroit and say, hey, what are you contributing to the schools in Detroit? And if and if they said nothing, then we could say, "Okay, cool. What we're going to do is we're going to withdraw our money from this bank. And until you make a move or give me some kind of indication that that's what you want to do. Here's our plan. Here's the things that these schools need. Boom. Until you give us some kind of indication that you're trying to move on that, you know, our money will be elsewhere. Bet you get a call because we need to utilize the banks. The banks are the gangsters, you know, in 2008, 2009, when everybody lost their houses in Detroit, you know, we went through a recession and, uh, yeah, the banks got bailed out. Like, everybody got bailed out. Stock market, everybody. Like, Wall Street, everybody got bailed out. But people still lost their houses and they didn't get bailed out. Banks can't fail, essentially. Um, uh, Wells Fargo was opening credit cards and... Credit cards and checking accounts in people's names? Credit cards and checking accounts in people's names. And they essentially got a slap on the wrist and was able to keep functioning. The banks are the gangsters. So what we need to do with these gangsters is we have to approach them with gangster leverage. We can't approach them when we need. Like, oh, can you do this for us? Please. Have you ever asked somebody for some money and you owe them some money? 
Like, hey man, you got fifty dollars I can borrow? They think you owe me fifty dollars. That's just not how it works. How it typically works is is that you approach the gangsters with gangster leverage. So that if we're able to say, hey banks, we need you to do this, because we don't need you because we're not indebted, we're not in bed with you. You know, then what it comes off as is we're in a place of leverage. And we're not asking you. We're essentially telling you that this is what you have to do or you're probably going to have to shut down this bank. Moreover, with that same kind of movement and that same kind of energy, there are a lot of businesses, for example, in Detroit that are not owned by black people. More than uh, we have uh, 146 gas stations in Detroit, only two are black owned. It's less than a percent. No, or it's right around 1%. Yeah, it's a little bit over 1%. But still not, you know, not not, not for it to be 80% black, right? The problem is not that they're not black-owned, more so than that they're not operating in the interest of the city. So, yes, they pay city tax. I, I mean, you know, most of them are owned by the Arab community. Uh, I'm pretty sure that they know a clever way to get around certain things. So, um, yeah, but they're not operating in the interest of Detroit. They're just not operating in the interest of Detroit. So, yes, they have their businesses. Yes, they have this. But then they go out to West Bloomfield, another burb. Then they go out to Northfield. Then they go out to Livonia. See, they don't live here. You know, so more of the problem than anything is that they don't live here. So their interests financially, their interests politically, their interests are not with Detroit. They're with their people. So the problem is not really that they're owned by different races. The problem is, is that the interest of the city is not first when they operate. So that again, with that same energy, hey, gas station with, you know, what I'm saying uh, uh, that's not owned by black people that black people patronize. How about you donate to this middle school here? Because this middle school needs books or needs updated materials, computers, the bathrooms are not functional, a couple of them aren't. We need help, so we need you to do this. No, you say no, well then what we'll do is we won't patronize your business until you figure out what it is that you're gonna do. Here's a list of things that we need from you, you can either do it or don't, but we won't patronize your business because we are 80% of this city, thus 80% of home ownership. If you don't do something, if you don't operate in the, uh, uh, in the interest of the city, then we won't operate in the interest of your business. Because bottom line, it's not about black ownership necessarily. It is, but it's, it's in context because there needs to be some understanding with businesses that are not owned by black people that you must operate in the in the interests of the city if your gas station don't have lights if your gas station uh, uh the, the windows are all foggy and, and the pumps aren't up to date and it's an eyesore you need to clean that up my city doesn't need to look like that and until you do we're not patronizing your funky business so that everybody in the city is operating in the best interest of the city for the good of the city so that we don't have to worry about these politicians and things of that nature handle local business because local business is what it's about 
and how we're operating lately, it's not bad. It's just missing a few steps. We're still all in debt and the ones who have made it have moved out the city. So to support your black business, I also have to support the city of Beverly Hills, which there's a Beverly Hills in Detroit. I have to support the city of Berkeley. I have to support Farmington Hills, all burbs in Detroit. They're not in Detroit, but burbs of Detroit. I have to support those cities because supporting those cities, because your kid goes to Farmington Hills, Harrison, you know what I'm saying? Your kid goes to, to Canton, you know what I'm saying? Your kid goes to Plymouth. Your kid goes to all these suburbs outside of the city and you live outside of the city. I'm also supporting them. We need the resources. We need the resources. We need the wealth. And most of us live here. And the ones that even live out there are from here. They're from the west side. They're from the southwest side. They're from the north end. They're from the, 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 the east side. They're from southwest. They're, like, they're from here. Operate in the interest of Detroit. Because that's what it's about ultimately. It's not about uh, uh, making it and moving out the city and then stunting on everybody. The culture has been the culture has been uh, uh, oversaturated with that idea. So that's my time, man. You know, with the two things, major things, we need to live where we where we live. You know what I'm saying? Live where most of us are and get out of debt, man. You know, debt is dumb. <coughs> I. Right.